0: Hi, everyone. My name is Kira. It is an Irish name, so I know that it doesn't look like it's pronounced Kira, but I promise it is pronounced Kira. I am a former troubled teen, and I am here to share with you a little bit about my journey because I was probably just like many of your children, and I now work with struggling teens and their families, so I have gained different insights from my own journey and from supporting others on theirs. When I think back to my teenage years, even though I know things aren't so black and white, and obviously there were moments of happiness and levity and joy, it felt like I was just in constant pain. I felt so insecure. I felt so sad. I was so anxious. I was so concerned with how people thought of me, with how I was doing. And even though I had this piece of me that was very much a perfectionist, like I so much wanted to be liked and validated and do everything right, I also didn't really make an effort to do that in the sense that I didn't go to school and I fought with my parents constantly and I broke all their rules. And I was very dishonest. And life was just sort of this constant Chaos and constant dysfunction. I was always trying to escape or numb that deep pain that I felt inside. And a lot of the ways that I was trying to do that, like through self harm or through not going to school or disappearing from home for long periods of time, would just bring about more disorder and more pain in the long term. But I didn't, I just didn't know how to get off, how to get out of that cycle. And it was such a departure from how I was as a child. My parents were like, what happened? Because I had compassion and I was intelligent and I was full of life. And then as I got older, it was like, I just totally became a shell of who I had been. And so my parents tried to help me in many different ways. First, it was talk therapy and medication. And then I did lots of that at home, lots of different talk therapists and lots of different medications and group therapy and DBT and CBT, et cetera. And then I went to an inpatient hospital program and then wilderness therapy and then a therapeutic boarding school. So I was in several different treatment environments and I learned a lot from being in those environments as a patient and also as an observer from seeing how people around me behaved and reacted and responded to different interventions and different strategies. And I am still far from perfect. I'm a human being like you, like your child, like any of us. And I have tough days and I still have challenges, but my life is night and day from when I was a teen. I am in Such a different place in terms of how I relate to my emotions and the relationships that I have with my family and with other people, and my own sense of self worth and resilience in the world. So, I have a pretty unique insight into the teen, the tween slash teen mind and their behavior from my own experiences and from observing my peers in treatment, and from the work that I've now been doing with adolescents and their families for years, supporting them through these struggles and working with them on their path. So today I'm going to give you a walkthrough of some key features of the teenage brain, the teenage mind, so that you can better understand what's actually going on with your child and learn new ways to approach them and to kind of contextualize or frame what's happening. Usually when their child starts having challenges in the realm that we're talking about, parents tend to be pretty confused. And they're sometimes confused because they didn't have those challenges, so they're not familiar with them themselves, or because there's no obvious reason for the challenge, like they can't tie it back to some sort of clear event, or because nothing that they're doing seems to work. And it seems like anytime they try to get involved, they either make the situation worse, but if they don't do anything, it continues to be really difficult and and scary. So they're usually just at a total loss of what to do. So I first want to share some of the patterns that I see in how parents tend to approach these challenges with their teens. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you first the pattern that I see, and then I'm going to walk you through how you can reframe what's going on and how you can approach it in a different way. Let's say your child is doing something that feels really scary and feels like major cause for concern. Like they're heavily using substances or they're self-harming or they have a really hard time eating food and you're worried about their health, you're worried about their safety, you're worried about their well-being. It's very common that parents and practitioners, meaning therapists and their mental health treatment team will focus on the behavior And they'll be asking questions like, well, how many times did you cut this last week? And how often are you smoking? And they'll come in with all of this kind of questioning and focus about the behavior and trying to just discourage that behavior and just stop that behavior because it's scary for them. Totally makes sense. But the reason that just focusing on the behavior doesn't actually work in the long term is because those behaviors that I'm discussing, whether it's school avoidance or self-harm or substance use, those behaviors are coping strategies. Those are adaptations. Those are solutions that your teen has unconsciously created for a need that they have to meet a need that they have or to soothe a pain that they feel inside. And so if we don't take the time to understand what the conditions in their life are that had them seeking out that behavior. We're not helping them meet their needs and setting them up for long-term transformation. We're just taking away a tool that they've been using without giving them anything else and without helping them understand why they were even reaching for that in the first place. I have found in my own work that when we have a conversation from that place where we're looking at their behavior as a survival strategy or a coping skill, It removes the sense of shame and it removes the sense of wrongness. Your child is far more willing to engage in a conversation where they don't feel like they have to hide something, where there isn't so much focus and, and criticizing of the behavior, but there's more curiosity about what do you need that you're choosing this? What's going on in your life and what is going on in your environment that this is what is helping you right now? Why is this solution for you? What is a different solution we can find? It actually puts them in a situation where they can appreciate their own power and their own influence in their life and see that they're the one who's been moving towards solutions and strategies, and they can similarly move towards other solutions and strategies. pattern that I see in how parents approach challenges with their children is that they try to force change so you have maybe noticed that your child resists your help and what often what so often happens is that treatment strategies and treatment plans they actually provoke resistance in your child like they bring out this side of them that pushes back against authority and influence and sometimes it makes absolutely no sense because what you're asking them to do is actually it's in their own best interest like you're not asking them to eat concrete. You're saying like, can you get good sleep? Can you come home at a reasonable hour? You've said that you want to go to college, let's say, can you study and can you prepare to apply for college? So even when you're trying to support them in things that they themselves identify that they want, they still push back against you and they're resisting help that is supposed to be for them. So I'm going to share a little story about a girl that I was working with. She had come home from residential, from being in a residential treatment center. And when she came back, we talked about what she wanted to focus on and agree to and what felt important to her. So she writes up a list and she identifies like, I want to focus on going to bed at this time. I don't want to spend time on social media. I don't want to self-harm. About a week later, her parents came to her with a list of their conditions, what they wanted her to do. It was a home contract what she had to agree to, to be home. And she reads it and goes to me, I don't want to agree to any of this. Like this is totally nonsense. And I look at what they've written and it's almost identical to what she had written for herself. But when her parents were suggesting those choices, she had this automatic resistance to them. She was like, absolutely not. I'm not doing any of that. Even though she had literally written out for herself, she was going to do all of that. And I explained to her that I had a very similar reaction. When I was a teenager, I had this binary in my head where I thought that by being responsible and cooperative and safe, I was being who my parents wanted me to be. I was giving into them. I was sacrificing my sense of self because they were always trying to push that behavior on me. And as a teen, as all teens do, We Teens have this intense drive to be their own person, to feel in control of their life. It's a very necessary and developmentally appropriate process of individuating from the family system. Control came at the expense of my safety, my success, my health. Teenagers are trying to find their independence. I was trying to find my independence. This girl that I worked with was trying to find her independence. And for teenagers, that's often their highest priority. So if they think that by being well and healing, they're sacrificing their autonomy, they won't do it. The challenge is that teenagers often only know independence and autonomy through self-destruction. That's the only way that they know how to feel in control. The trick is that anyone working with them and supporting them needs to be their ally and get them on their own side for healing so that they're not believing that The only way for them to to feel in control of their life is by destroying it. Real maturity and growth came for me when I was making decisions that were in service to my best interest and that they were actually thoughtful and they weren't just in response to this automatic reaction and pushback. I was actually thinking about what is best for me and the people I love. So of course, when your child is having a big response and emotional experience, You're going to have one as well. You're a human being. You're affected by what's happening around you. And especially if it's your own child, it is so natural that their emotional condition is going to have an impact on yours. And your job as they're going through all of this is to not get in the pit with them. Her desire to help me feel validated, I think sometimes my mom sort of endorsed some of my negative self-perception and that made me feel more certain that something was wrong with me because she was so focused on trying to fix the situation and remedy the situation that it confirmed for me oh something is very wrong here something is wrong with me so what i often say to parents is don't get in the pit with them you are of course going to have your own fears about the situation and your own reaction to the situation but when you are interacting with your teen you have to project certainty when they are totally spiraling out and freaking out about a situation, you find your center and your calm. They are not looking for you to have the perfect solution. They are not looking for you to have all the answers. They are just looking to you for some sense of certainty that things are going to be okay. The value is not in having the right words or knowing what to say. The value is in being there and being present. You don't need to do know the right thing to do instantly What they most need is that sense of certainty that things will be okay, even when you don't feel that they will be, even when you don't feel like they will be. Find that within yourself, find that faith that they're going to be okay and project that to your child. That said, while I do encourage you to not get in the pit with them, it is still so valuable and healing for your children when you witness them in their pain, when you see and acknowledge what they're going through and what they're feeling a lot of times parents really want to fix the situation so if your child comes home and they're crying about being left out by a friend group you might want to remind them about their other friends or you might want to reassure them that they'll make more friends later in life or sometimes parents are more prone to go a tough love route and say like hey like that's life like it happens you can't let it get you down And both of these are coming from a place of wanting to make your child feel better by either trying to point them towards a more positive frame or using the situation to empower them and build their strength. But your child usually just wants to be heard for a bit. Those other things, those lessons, they can come later. There's a time for that too. But when your child is coming to you in pain, it is so meaningful to just listen and be present. Unconditional love, is not about having all the answers. It is just about being there no matter what. So you have probably heard of terms like the black sheep or the golden child. And these exist because of patterns that happen in families, which is families tend to fall into certain roles in their own system. And What especially when there's like repeated chaos and discord, we start to label family members in certain roles. Like this one is the problem and this one is the rescuer and this one is the victim. And it's so important that you understand what that broader system at play is within your family. Because what happens is we start to expect certain behavior and we can actually reinforce it without intending to. I definitely felt like my family saw me As the problem child. And I get it. I gave them a lot of reason to see me that way. There were many choices that I made and ways that I behaved that you could say, earn me that label. But I also felt limited by it because there were times where I wanted to be received as someone who was trustworthy or be seen as someone who was reliable. And I could feel that they just didn't, they just didn't see me that way. And while I definitely had to demonstrate that I could be that way, there also would have been a huge degree of of encouragement I would have felt if I could sense that they were holding room for me to be that way. And they were willing to see the bigger picture of who I was and hold space for all of that. People feel how you feel towards them. And if you see your child as dishonest and disobedient and dysfunctional, they're going to internalize that in some way. And as I said, I know that when your child has exhibited behavior that has led you to that perception, it can maybe feel like you're ignoring your experience or trying to erase history by pretending that you shouldn't be worried or shouldn't feel that way. So you can have those feelings and fears, but you also have to have this faith that things can be different, faith that your child can heal and that they can change and that they are capable because they can a hundred percent feel that too. So if you are curious to learn more about how to best support your teen by having a greater insight into what they need from you and what's kind of going on in their in their brain and in their nervous system, I have a gift for you. It is a workbook that I created about the nervous system so that you can become more aware of how the nervous system impacts how all of us show up moment to moment and the role that it plays in our ability to heal and how you can better meet your child In a moment where they need you, for example, a lot of times as I've spoken to parents don't know what to do when their kid is like totally spiraling or when they're spiraling. And so there are some tools and some insights in this for you that will hopefully help you know what to do in those really challenging moments where things are really, really intense. And then also be on that in the moments that are sort of in between the, the intense ones. So I really want to end this and my share by thanking you so much for your time and being here with me and listening to what I have to say. And by really, really letting you know that you are so not alone in what you are feeling. I know, I really, really know how painful, how scary, how destabilizing these challenges are for everyone in the family. And I believe that pain is bearable when we experience it in connection. So even though I know I'm here on a screen and I'm not there with you, I promise you that my heart is so with you in this and that I really, really see you in wanting to show up for your children. And I have full faith that your child is going to be okay. They're going to be wonderful and all is going to work out in the way that it's meant to. If you're curious in any more information or resources, you can visit my website, www.hominginstinct.org. I share writing. I have different podcasts. I have some articles there. So please go visit if you are curious to learn more and check out some of the support that I offer for families and teens. Thank you again so much for your time and my prayers to you.